Hey guys, and welcome to episode, I want to say seven. Um, I actually have a title for this one, like while I'm actually doing the episode, which is a big deal for me, but this is Toxic Psychos and Red Flags. Guys, I'm actually really excited to be doing this podcast, this particular podcast, because firstly, it's something that not only can I speak heavily from experience with, but also it's something that I know for a fact most people, if not all people, can relate to this in some way, shape or form. So even if you haven't dated a toxic person, you may have a friend who's toxic, a family member who's toxic um, or an employer. It could go on and on and on. But the concept of toxic people, it's good to – I think this podcast will be really good to kind of help you identify who is toxic, why they're toxic um, – because I'm also going to be obviously talking about kind of the neuroscience behind all of that as well and the psychology behind why people are the way they are and why people might start behaving in a manipulative way or in an abusive way and why people accept it. Um, that way you can kind of approach it differently next time it happens to you or if it is happening to you, you can pull the emotion that you're feeling out of it and look at it logically and be like, wait a minute. I don't need to be sort of swept up in this spiral. I am potentially getting manipulated right now or this person's trying to abuse this situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So basically I hope – what I hope from this podcast is that it will help you look at a situation that you might be in coldly, without emotion, logically, and see it for what it is. And if it is a toxic relationship, then I'm going to give you all the red flags of what a toxic relationship might be and – um yeah, I just basically want you to have your back in these kinds of situations because what I can say is that when there is a toxic person in your life, run for the fucking hills, get rid of them because they are not going to get better because you're trying to make them better. That's for fucking sure. One thing's for sure that I can guarantee is that people only get better when they decide that they want to get better for themselves or if it benefits them greatly. So if someone wants to improve that's great. But if you want them to improve and you try and make them improve, I'm sorry, but that it's just it's not going to work. You can never you can never change somebody. So, if someone's toxic in your life, fucking cut your losses and um yeah, basically cut the dead weight. Okay. Now, I want to talk about obviously mainly relationships as in romantic relationships, but a lot of the stuff that I do talk about in this podcast can be applied to other kinds of relationships in your life. But most of my examples in this podcast are going to be about romantic relationships because that's, I think, what most people can relate to going by all the DMs that I've received where I can blatantly see that it's a toxic scenario and even if the person that's writing to me doesn't see it, I can see it most of the time it's about a romantic relationship that that person is in. Now, I also wanted to just touch on, I think – it sounds slightly relevant, but it's going to kind of tie into this whole thing. I was actually having a conversation with my sister about this yesterday. And we were talking about marriage and divorce rates and things like that. And something that we, like we both kind of agreed on this. But one thing that you look at divorce rates in countries and certain countries where basically countries where women are more financially independent are the countries with the highest divorce rates. What does that tell you? It doesn't to, – to me, 
a divorce rate doesn't signify that like a country with a high divorce rate does not signify that we've failed with marriage it signifies that people have a fucking choice i hate that there's this kind of negative connotation it's like oh we've got such high divorce rates good cunt good women have the choice to walk the fuck away when a situation is toxic or abusive think about it why is it that countries where women are financially independent are there higher rates of divorce because they can walk away in countries where women don't have the means to do so, they have to stay in their marriage, especially if children are involved. So it's this whole fucking society fucking brainwash where you feel that you have to stay in a relationship, especially when you sign that stupid piece of paper. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for marriage if the two people want to be in it. But the moment one person wants to leave, you should never, ever, whether it's a relationship or whether it's a marriage, you should never fucking feel that you have to stay because you made a commitment. You can't ever speak for your future self. So let's just get something straight right here, right now. I would never say the day I do get married, whenever that happens, I'm honestly not going to say till death do us part. I'm going to fucking cut that line out because that's bullshit. What if that person starts abusing me? I'm not staying with you till death. Get fucked. I'll stay with you until this relationship continues to serve the both of us. And the moment the relationship stops serving me or stops serving him, we part ways. It's that simple. So I think everyone needs to look at relationships a little bit differently and not think I have to tie myself down because one thing for sure is when people talk about, oh, you know, back in the day, they just worked harder for, for the marriage. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Back in the day, they stayed in the marriage miserable because the woman couldn't fucking leave, could she? So don't think that our society's failed at relationships and marriage. We actually now have a choice, whereas in the past, people had less and less and less of a choice. That's what's going down. So I don't think that – I thought I'd just kind of preface this whole podcast with that as an opener so you realize that I feel that everyone has this slight undertone of a brainwash that you've, you have to push past all the shit and the pain in a relationship, you know, in order to show that you're, you know, valiant in a relationship or, you know, resilient in a relationship. Um, no, I think the sadder thing is the fact that we've got a high rate of domestic violence or shit like that. High rate of divorce? No, I don't care about that. That doesn't affect me at all. I don't think that's a bad reflection on our country at all. I think that's a reflection of a successful country that gives people the choice. So having said that, on that very heavy, 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 heavy opening for my podcast, let's begin. Okay, I'm going to start. So this is how I'm going to kind of lay the podcast out. I've got seven main like toxic talk like red flags and then the eighth thing I'm going to break down kind of what a narcissist is because a lot of the time we find ourselves in a relationship with a narcissist but not realize that that's what's going on then I'm going to talk about kind of the neuroscience of why we stay in toxic relationships and why people manipulate people and then lastly I'm going to finish with a bunch of questions that you can ask yourself if you do find yourself in this kind of situation okay so red flag number one Projecting trauma. Number one, projecting trauma. So someone who basically projects their trauma onto you. Like, oh, I'm sorry that I'm just so jealous. It's just that my ex-girlfriend cheated on me so much. So, you know, you just got to bear with me. Or I'm sorry that, you know, I'm just so overprotective. It's just that like when I was a child, X, Y, Z happened to me. I'm sorry. No, absolutely not. That is a fucking red flag. Someone who projects their trauma and then expects you to just accept them for what they are. I'm not saying that you can't date someone with trauma, not at all. But someone who has trauma, who's a good person, should be able to say, listen, I'm battling this trauma. 
I'm acting out in this way and these are my behaviors. So when I do this, can you please pull me up on it so I become more aware of it because I don't want this to get in between our relationship. Not, look, I'm just jealous because my ex used to cheat on me. So, you know, just fucking take it or leave it. But that's just me. That's just me. Accept it. No, I'm sorry. Don't accept it. So when someone starts projecting their trauma of whether it's a past relationship or something awful that happened to them in the past or whatever it is, all that baggage and that bullshit that comes from quote unquote being damaged according to them, that's not your problem. And for them to put that on you and make you feel shit about yourself is unacceptable and it's not going to fly. So that you, you, you nip that in the bud straight away. Number two, um, being possessive over your time and of your relationships outside of them. Anyone who is possessive, that's a huge red flag of a toxic person. So what you need to think about is when you enter a relationship, it's very easy to get lost in kind of the honeymoon period where you kind of abandon all your mates and you just want to see this person day in, day out, day in, day out. So it's very you're, – you're kind of treading on ice here because you don't know if the two of you are just super excited to be in this relationship together. That's why you've temporarily bailed on all your other relationships while you've just met this person or – are you just doing it because it's fun? But that other person genuinely thinks, great, when I'm in a relationship, all relationships fall down to the wayside. So you've got to, it's kind of like that fine line that you need to figure out. But one thing that's for sure that you need to just really wake up to yourself and be aware of is that someone, when you're in the early stages of a relationship, that person is going to be at their best. That is them on their best behavior. They're not going to get better. They're not going to be showing you their bad side and then like, oh, you passed. I'll show you my good side. Fuck no. They're trying to woo you over. So this is as good as it's going to get. So if there are red flags in the early stages, that's a fucking red flag. So if you start seeing any of these things that I'm about to mention or that I have already mentioned in the early stages, it is definitely, definitely not going to get better. Because the only way, like I said, the only way that people get better is when they want to change themselves. If they're starting to bring this into the relationship and making excuses for it, babe, they're not going to change themselves. That's just how they are, especially if they're making excuses for it. So if you see these red flags in the early stages of a relationship, just think, just tell yourself, cool, if I put up with it, fine, that's on me. Like this is my choice, but it's not going to get better. This is as good as it's going to get. This is them on their best behavior. So when someone is possessive over your time and your relationships, if you don't knit that in the bud from the very, very beginning, it's going to cause you huge problems down the line because what you need to understand is the person that you are can be very, like we are plastic as people. We can be molded. So unless you have your back 100% of the time, you are allowing someone else to, to play that role, to be the person that basically molds your personality. If you're not going to do it, someone else is going to do it for you. So if someone starts saying that they're uncomfortable with who you're hanging out with, are they really uncomfortable with who, who you're hanging out with or is it that they're just jealous that you're hanging out with someone that's not them? And then they'll start coming up with all these reasons of like, oh, yeah, it's just that, no, no, no. That, it's, I don't mind that you have friends, but I just don't like that friend. Or like you just seem to hang out like they just I don't know they just seem dumb. You you're smarter than that. They say, you know they start putting down the people around you, the people that you were closer to before you met this person, and they start kind of slowly trying to infiltrate your opinion of the people that you know a lot more than you know this person. They want to become your number one as soon as possible so they can start to 
change your opinions on the people around you, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whatever. And that also goes with being possessive of your time. Like I said, if they say, you know, call me back in five minutes and then it's like 10 minutes and then they're like, why didn't you call me back? Instead of just being like, hey, I thought I'd call you because you, maybe you forgot or whatever, you know, like just this issue with your time and the fact that, you know, you didn't call them back or you didn't message back fast enough. The moment someone has a problem with me for not messaging back fast enough, I fucking nip that in the bud immediately. There's the, Once, they say it to me once, this is how it goes. You either say it once where you try and control my time and you never do it again or you say it once and the reason that it never happens again is because I leave you. That's how it is. For me, if someone tries to control my time, that's a huge indicator that they're planning and controlling every aspect about me from here onwards. They are a manipulator. So when someone basically doesn't want you doing something with your time or is annoyed because you didn't call them or respond to a message fast enough, they're thinking, I should be more important than anything that you've got going on when I'm not there. You should be responding to my text. I don't care what's happening in your life. You should be responding to my text message. They have this sort of unrealistic opinion this heightened sense of self that they think that they are your number one priority at all times, no matter what the fuck's going on. That's a red flag, big time. Number three, and this one I've actually been messaged about, I'm not exaggerating, I've had about 10 people message me this. Number three, keeping you a secret. So keeping you a secret, I understand that there may be some very, very, very rare scenarios where someone may need to keep you a secret. But, but, and I say this with a huge, bold but, if there isn't a deadline to when this quote-unquote secret is going to end, that's a red flag. Because if someone's like, no, I've got to keep you a secret because of my job or whatever, if someone's thinking about keeping you a secret because of a life situation that they're in that's got like no end date, and it's a prolonged period of time, run for the fucking hills. Because what is that saying? If they're able to keep you, something so big in their life, a secret from everyone else in their life and be okay with that, what does that say about what they're keeping from you? They're literally leading a double life. Are you happy with that? I doubt you are. So fucking cut and run. I don't care how in love you are. If that's the kind of life you want to lead, well, tragic, but fine. But I can tell you right now, you're not going to be happy. So if someone's okay with keeping you... And also, why the fuck do you want to be someone's secret? Absolutely unacceptable. It means that you are second to that person's life. That's what it means. So big red flag. Number four, them being insecure and trying to get you to think the same way. So if someone's just ragingly insecure and gets really upset when someone comments on your photo on Instagram, even if you haven't contributed whatsoever to the conversation or instigated anything like that. If someone's kind of coming in and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, it's just that all these people comment on your photos and, you know, I just don't, like, why are they commenting? Like, why why do you let all these people follow you? And, like, what, why is your page on public and why? And then you're just like, well, I'm sorry, but I don't have a problem. Like, if you show them that you're not insecure when they really are, then they're like you know, if they're highly jealous and they're like, well, how would you like it if all the girls were commenting on my but How would you like this? How would you like... They're trying to get you to admit to feeling the same way as them. And it gets to a point where the, re- the arguments can sometimes get so heated that you end up kind of, kind of agreeing to simmer down the argument. Never, never, never agree to simmer down an argument because they've won. They have manipulated you. In that moment, they have manipulated you. And like I said... 
the earlier the stage, the better the behavior. So if they can get you in the early stages, which is when you're most likely to be manipulated because you're thinking, oh, I don't want to fight when it's, you know, three weeks into this incredible relationship. I'll just let this one slide. Boom, they've won. They've won. They've manipulated you because they know that it's too good. They're putting on their best behavior, but they're going to, you know, throw a little bit of bait, throw a little bit of bait. I'm talking about toxic people here. I'm not talking about normal people. Toxic people will throw a little bit of bait and then you bite and then they see if they can escalate it and they know, they know that you're a good person and they know that you're going to be like, I don't want this to happen three weeks in. I just, this relationship, it's, it's too good to let it crumble so early on. So I just, I'll let this one slide. I'll let this one slide so I don't ruin my chances here. But what happens is you've just given them more power as far as being able to manipulate you because now they've, they've won. They can now do that again and again and again. And then before you know it, it's one year in and you've let so much fucking shit slide. You literally have your fucking spineless. You have a wet noodle as a spine and you can't stand up for yourself even if you wanted to, to not even to save yourself. So that spine, you fucking need to grow that spine from the beginning of time. And I know it's hard, especially if you've come from a long line of shitty relationships, but you need to, the good thing is though, the, the stronger you get that backbone, the more likely you are going to come into contact with people that resonate with you. So the more you stand up for yourself, the more you you show that you're going to have your back before anyone else's, you repel weak people. You repel these weak dogs. So it's kind of like a positive cycle that happens. You get more and more confident in yourself with who you are, with what you want. You're less likely to have toxic people come into your life. And when they do come into your life, you fucking, they go running for the hills so quickly because they realize from the beginning that they have no chance in hell to manipulate you. It's taken me probably four relationships to get to this point. But now I literally can handle my heart say I don't have not one toxic person in my life when I have had many in my life. I think they just run for the hills because they're like there's no point wasting time with Alexis because she's literally going to shut it down the instant I try to manipulate her. So that's where you want to be. Um, okay. Number five. What are we up to? Number five. So not standing up for you ever. So someone who is okay with their friends or their families hating on you, that's a toxic relationship because that doesn't make sense. If they're so tight with their friends and family to the extent that they're not going to stand up to them, to some degree, they're agreeing with their friends and family about what they're saying about you. So then when these people hate on you, it's their ploy of cutting you down. Because if they didn't want you cut down and their friends and family were hating on you and just didn't accept you, they would turn around and say, you know what? You're fucking cool, but all you're doing is pushing me away. This person is, you know, my potential life partner, which means that they're going to be my number one person. So if you guys can't accept them, that's really sad, but it means that you're going to be seeing less of me. However, if they don't do that, and not only not do that, but they tell you everything that their friends and family have said that's negative about you, that is them trying to cut you down. Cut you down, cut you down to this weak fucking little fucking plant, little one little leaf sticking out instead of some strong fucking tree because they know that when they get you down, get you down, get you down, you're going to be so insecure, such low levels of self-confidence because the people that are supposed to love you the most actually don't. You start doubting who you are. You start questioning everything. You start tiptoeing around it. Oh, their friends hate me. Oh, their families hate me. Oh God. But like, why? Why do so many people hate me? What have I done wrong? Maybe I need to change my image. Maybe I need to change this. That's exactly where they want you because then I'm going to talk about this at the end of the podcast about 
kind of the psychology of manipulation, but basically you get to a point where you literally feel like even if you wanted to leave, you couldn't because they've cut you down so much that now you're in a situation where you actually think you're punching. You think that you are less of who you actually are and you think that they, you know, due to that, say you were both on even standing ground when you met, you now have been cut down so you now think that you are below them. They are now growing and growing and growing with their levels of confidence because you're feeling so shit, they're feeling so good. So now you're like, fuck, I'm punching. If I leave this relationship, then what? So you don't leave. You feel shit but you don't want to leave because you think, you know, they're, they're too good for me anyway. So if I leave, then I'm fucked. So if someone's not standing up for you to the people that are supposedly closest to them, that's a big red flag. Number six is never accepting the blame or always putting the blame on you. Now, this one is really hectic, I find. So I want to put it, I want to give you an example from my kind of like a personal experience from my perspective. I, and I think anyone who's normal and not a psychopath, um, really doesn't like it when people have a bad opinion of us. Like I really, especially like people that are close to me, if my family, friends or my partner genuinely thought that I had done something wrong, that would affect me massively because they matter to me. So I would want to right the wrongs and be like, wow, either I need to apologize or I need to clarify that I didn't actually do that and you're misinterpreting the situation. So often what will happen is when you get in such a big fight with a toxic person, they will try and spin it so fucking hard that it was all your fault. So even if you know deep down that it wasn't your fault, you think that you need to fucking bring it back. You need to not let the conversation end or not let the fight end and you need to somehow make amends because for me – there were times where things with my psycho ex had pretty much ended. But in my head, I was like, what? Like, it can't end with him thinking that I was this awful person and I did all this shit. Like, I can't have this relationship ending with him and all his friends and family thinking that I just did this awful thing and that's the reason why it ended. So then I'd go crawling back to him being like, no, let's sort this out. Let's fix this. Let's fix this. Like, that's not like I'm not. And then what would happen? We'd then... It pretty much was me apologizing at the end of the day and we'd get back together and that was that. So that's them never taking ownership over anything, putting all the blame on you knowing that you won't be able to handle being the devil in the situation. Whereas now, if someone is a toxic fucking psycho, that is a huge red flag. If they blame you for everything when it is so clear that they have at least 50% of the ownership or all the ownership oftentimes, then... It's kind of a blessing in disguise. It's hard to look at it at the time, but it's kind of like that's the trash taking itself out. You know what? If you want to like palm me off and be like, we're done because if you did this, I'm like, if you're that cooked in the head that you can't see this situation for what it is, then you've done me a favor and you just leave. It's so hard to let go and be okay with people hating you. It's, it is so hard to do that. But fuck, it's liberating. Because you know what? If someone's going to actually believe that about you, even though it's not true, if someone's going to blame you for an issue that occurred or an argument that occurred or the reason why you guys are having such a bad time, if they're going to put all the blame on you and say, this is why we have to break up and expect you to turn around and fight, fight, fight and say, no, I was wrong, even though you weren't. I'll take the blame, even though you shouldn't. That is one of the biggest red flags and that happened to me many times with my ex and it it would end up with me always 
crawling back to him with my tail between my legs, even though I knew he was in the wrong. But I was just like, if, if I don't come back, it's, it's over. Because his pride was through the roof and he would never call me. So if I didn't call him, it was done. So I had to call him and I had to apologize if I wanted to rescue this relationship. And the way I looked at it, the story I told myself, which is so fucked, I was like, Steve's just so proud. That's what I would say to myself. He's just so proud and I know he loves me, but he's just he's just got this, you know, paralyzing pride. So I've got to be the one who's level-headed, who's got to come back into it. No, 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 no. Well, I'm fucking kidding myself. That's not what was happening. I was a weak dog and I was crawling back like a spineless fuckhead, crawling back to beg for him, basically, to accept that, yeah, I'll take ownership for, for the wrongs, but just can we please be back together? Like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm grateful that I can look back on it now and be like, wow, you've grown, bitch. But my God, I look at that and I can't believe that I'm the same person as, a, as that person two years ago. Honestly, it is, it's painful to think about, but also, I guess, good in a way to see that you can change and you can grow out of that. But it's fucked because you actually... Oh, like I honestly wish I could have at the time had a conversation with my future self to be able to say, Alexis, like you are literally being, you are insulting yourself. You're insulting your intelligence. You are insulting your relationship with yourself. And all you're doing is you are basically telling yourself that you hate yourself by doing that. By always putting someone who is an abuser first every time you are telling yourself, I am not worthy of my own love. So why should I be worthy of someone else's love? Every time you do that, you are telling yourself that you are not worthy. So if you have all these kind of self-confidence issues, just take a pause and say, when do I put myself first? And oftentimes when you have issues of confidence, it's because you're allowing other people to come before you, even when you know they shouldn't. Big red flag. Number seven is gaslighting so for ages I was like what the fuck does that term even mean it sounds so fucking stupid but basically anyone who's toxic or a narcissist which I'm about to go into is um it's very common for them to do this and the phrase is called gaslighting but basically it means it's a psychological manipulation to get someone to doubt their own sanity so basically you could be having an argument and they are able to deny something so convincingly that you start thinking like, fuck, maybe I did say that. Or they'll accuse you of having just, they start with, they start with, it's often a quote. They'll start with like, you said this. And you're like, no, I didn't. And they're like, <laughs> yes, you fucking did. And you're like, no, I know I didn't. They're like, what the, f am I going crazy then? Are you saying I'm crazy? Are you saying I'm fucking crazy that you didn't say that? Because if I'm fucking crazy, like, I, I must be, I must be crazy then. Is that what you're saying? You're accusing me of being crazy. That is fucking typical. Someone who will put words in your mouth when you know you didn't say it and then just look bewildered when you deny it. And then you think, holy fucking shit, maybe I did say it. Maybe I was drunk and I said it. And then, the, but, and often they'll start with a time that maybe you were drinking and they'll accuse you of saying it. That's how they start. A time where you're less likely to remember the details and they'll just plant a little seed there plant a little seed and be like let's see if she bites this and then it just gets bigger and bigger as the year progresses or as the time in your relationship progresses they're able to start planting bigger and bigger and bigger things where you question your own sanity because you start thinking oh my fucking god I don't for the life of me remember that but we were drinking and I remember the conversation and then then it ends up you saying like wow well I I, I mean if I said it I didn't mean it to come out that way. And then they're like, well, it really offended me. And it really, this, it really. 
and they're the victim, the victim, the victim, and you're the one who's awful, you're the perpetrator. They literally make you doubt your own sanity. So, or sometimes if the re- if the if you're in this relationship and you're having an argument and it's kind of going in your favor and all your arguments are on point, on point, on point, they'll then cling on to one tiny thing that you say and take such extreme offense to it that they derail the argument so intensely that before you know it, the argument is now about something that you've said to offend them and they cannot believe that they're in a relationship with such a rude bitch who would say that to them. This is fucking standard of someone who does this quote-unquote gaslighting. Because now all of a sudden they're trying to deal with the real issue now. The real issue is the lack of respect you have for them. You you know, it's this lack of respect. Can't believe you you talk to me like that. Can't believe you would do this. So I can't believe you even thought that that was okay. Or so often they will derail an argument when you're starting to, you know, when you've got really good points and turn it around to being so incredibly offended about something that you did. It's often very much like personal character assassination things. It's not like they don't like to talk too much about you know, straight up facts because they know they'll lose. So they make it really emotional. Um, So that's a huge, huge red flag. If someone does that to you, that's probably the worst because it's like arguing with a fucking brick wall. You will never get through to them ever. And it's almost like a sport for them. So they're not going to want to change because they get something out of it. It's actually weirdly and sickeningly satisfying for these people. Okay, so that was number seven. All right, so now I'm going to talk about narcissists and basically a typical kind of scenario of what would happen if you're dating a narcissist. So very often when you're dating someone who is a narcissist, they at the very start of the relationship will seem like the biggest legend you've ever met. Like I'm talking... Not only are they so kind to you, but they are fucking generous to you, to your friends, to your family. They go out of their way to do things. They surprise you with things. They they offer you the world. Not only are they generous with their money, but they're generous with their time. They'll they'll drive you somewhere. They'll wait for you and they'll pick you up. It's just crazy to the extent that they basically make themselves indispensable to you. The honeymoon period is so fucking good that you're in awe and you're like, wow, I can't, like, I've never, I've never met someone like this. That, as a byproduct of that, it accelerates very quickly. So instead of it being like a slow burn, it ends up, you know, before you know it, within a month, you're pretty much like, you know, let's just move in together. Like, I've never met someone like you. And also, a little disclaimer here, I'm not saying that all relationships that move in and move fast moving in together is a red flag. I'm, that is not a red flag, but I'm saying specifically to narcissists, that's what you're going to get. So you move or even if you don't move in together, you're literally within the span of a couple of weeks seeing each other every single day. So you've fast-tracked what a normal relationship might take maybe three months to get to. You're there in less than a month kind of thing. So you're seeing each other every single day and it's just really hot and heavy and heated and it's intense and you're so in love and you've never met anyone like it and you think, fucking now I know what love is, now I fucking know what love is, look at this person. So they have built the foundations to get you to where you need to be. Then this is what I was talking about a bit earlier. Then they'll start with those little tiny things. They test you. They start with something. And because this one month of honeymoon period was so fucking good, you're like, oh, that was weird. I didn't expect that. But 
fuck ruining what we've got, like this good thing that we've got. So I just let it slide because like obviously, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But the bad thing about giving someone the benefit of the doubt in the early stages is again, you need to reiterate to yourself, this is them on their best behavior. So if you're giving them the benefit of the doubt and letting things slide, again, it's your choice to do that. But what you are genuinely doing is you are building up their foundations for them to then be able to repeat this behavior again and again and again. If someone says or does something that you disagree with, you don't have to start an argument, but you can just say, look, I'm going to pull you up on that. I just want to talk about this right here, right now, because I'm really liking where this relationship is heading. However, that that you just said, I think we need to discuss, you know, just, just lightly. I just, I don't agree with you and I want you to know that. I want you to know that I don't, we don't say eye to eye on that topic and that's that. You know, so you don't need to get into a heated debate, but you need to be like, boom, I'm going to raise an alarm here. So that person knows that if this happens again, I'm going to speak about it. If this happens again, I'm going to speak about it. You're going to intercept every single time. So they're not going to get away with like, if someone was like, why don't you message me back straight away? Without getting angry, you can be like, oh, well, that's something that you'll learn about me pretty quickly. You know, if I've got my phone on, on me, I'll message back, but I don't like being glued to my phone. Simple. You don't have to be heated. You don't have to be like, oh, I don't have to, whatever. You just be a calm thing. Just be like, I'm not, you know, obvious reasons. And if they get annoyed about that, then there's your red flag. You know, you, at the end of the day, you don't have to reason with these people because that's what they want you to think. They want you to think that you you are got, you need to reason with them. So then you're going to start arguing with these people. And because you're not like them, Getting into an argument with someone like this is literally going to drive you insane because you do, will never say eye to eye. Your idea of an outcome is different. Both of you don't agree. Their, their ideal outcome is to have manipulated you and to have you sort of bow down to them. And your idea of an outcome is for both of you to comfortably discuss something openly and then just whether agree to disagree but respect each other's opinion. So if each other's outcome is different, you're never going to succeed engaging into an argument with these people. So you need to just acknowledge the red flag for what it is and then you make the decision. You make the decision, okay, I want to date someone who's a fucking toxic psychopath or this is a red flag, I'll keep this in mind and next time it happens again I make a call. So because these narcissists has, have become so indispensable at the early stages of your life, um, you now feel that it's starting, they're starting to manipulate you. It's getting worse and worse and worse. But the honeymoon period was so good that you often, very often, if not daily, reflect back on how good the start of the relationship was. And they still give you kind of snippets of that throughout the relationship, snippets of those really good times. So you think, oh, there's, there's the taste of him. That's the old him. That's the old him. It's not the old him. That was never the real him. That's him putting on an act at the start of the relationship. That was never really him. That was him reeling you in. But now you can't leave because you're too attached to the honeymoon version of that person and on top of that they've now become indispensable to you they've done so much for you they've just gone above and beyond with favors that you're like I'll never be able to repay them I'll never be able to find someone who's who does all this stuff for me they are literally now indispensable I'm can't be my independent self like I was before now that I've met this person another thing a, a narcissist would do is they'll do favors for you but then they'll wave it in your face at their earliest convenience just to show you how much they do for you and how little you have done for them. When it might be a situation where you physically cannot do it, look at financially, for example, if they're showering you with money and then if you have an argument, they're like, look at everything that I've gotten you. What have you gotten me? Huh? What have you gotten me? 
But if you're looking at two people that have very completely different incomes, that's something that you can never match up to. So then you always kind of feel in debt to this person. You're like, oh, fuck, I can't leave them now because it's true. They have done all this for me and I, I haven't done anything. And that's how, you, that's how they make you feel. Then again, with, um, with narcissists similar to what I was talking before, they're also going to justify their behavior. They can never admit that they're wrong. And again, they're going to be insulted when you question their actions because they're, they're the martyr in the situation, basically. Like everything that they do is for someone or for someone else. And I don't do it because I want to. I do this, I do that, you know. And then if you then go and question their behavior, they are so insulted because he, they are the saint and now you've gone and turned it around and turned them into a devil. Basically, a narcissist is a very, very extreme, extreme um, sense of low self-esteem. Very low self-esteem. Now, it doesn't mean that people with low self-esteem are narcissists, but narcissists have low self-esteem. But they have a heightened sense of who they should be. So they're often very charismatic quite social but have very few really close friends um but they come across as someone that has a lot of friends when in reality they don't um and they often are really good at um having like businesses with employees or stuff they're quite successful because they're very charismatic but in reality they have a very um insecure view on how people perceive them hence the need to constantly be talking themselves up and building themselves up. A narcissist will often be like, like, I'm so great and this is why this is happening. Like, this is why these people do this. I'm so great and this is why everyone always does this for me or this is why people look up to me. They often are really self-centered because they're trying to let you know that they are really good. In case you haven't realized, I need to tell you how good I am. Just, just so you don't walk away thinking that I'm not as good as you might have perceived me to be. Like my ex used to literally say in arguments, he's like, I'm a catch. Do you know that? I'm a catch. And the first time he said that, I literally wanted to laugh. And I was like, is he fucking taking the piss? Like, is this cunt taking the piss? He's literally telling me that he's a catch. I'm like, what the fuck? That's a red flag. I should have bailed back then, but I didn't. And I learned to fucking live some very interesting experiences with that lunatic. But... Another thing that they will do is they'll throw in something really hectic to flatten the argument and so you literally have no leg to stand on. Like my ex, for an example, he had children and we might get into an argument about something and I'll be like, well, we need to discuss it. He's like, my children are my priority and this weekend I wanted to spend it with my children. Now you're taking time away from me and my children. Even if he had started the argument, he's now making me look like the devil who's trying to pull him away from his children. He's like, I can't have my kids be exposed to this fight, so you've got to leave now because you've got to... And I'm like, listen, can't shut the fuck up. You're the one who's poison to those children, not me. You're the toxic psychopath. I should have just bailed earlier. But they'd make it look like, how dare you start an argument in front of my children? How dare you expose my children to this? You know, so they turn you into this fucking devil... Um, whether it's, you know, he used his children as his crutch. It could be anything. It could be, you know, in front of his friends. Don't you dare humiliate me. Don't this, don't that. Like they'll often, very often turn it around to make it look like you've done something outrageously wrong. And then you're like, oh my God, I feel so guilty. I can't believe the children just saw that or I can't believe whatever. So I was constantly walking on eggshells because I just felt so bad when he'd bring up the children in the situation. Okay, so before I get into the neuroscience of why people do what they do, um, I just wanted to say that 
when people have an insecurity or a lot of insecurities, it's not always, but often they'll try and project that onto you. So it's possible, but rare, that you'll be dating someone that's got relationship insecurities that doesn't project it onto you. And if you're dating that person and they just keep it to themselves, good on you and good on them. Love that for them. However, I personally would never date someone who is crazy insecure. No fucking chance. I'd never do that again. I've done it before. I've done my charity to the world when it comes to dating fucking dud guys with low self-esteem who project their bullshit onto me. And I hope that you people, all you girls and guys listening, are done as well. I hope you're done with dating people who are insecure, who feel shit about themselves. And in order to feel good about themselves, the only way to do that is to cut you down. Because God forbid that they can shine with you shining as well. No, they can't. So you now have to be below them for them to feel above you. And I think I mentioned this in my last podcast, in the the most recent episode, but you need to remember that nobody has the right, no matter what the circumstance, I don't care how traumatic your past relationship was, no one has the right to ever belittle you, ever. To make you feel less than who you are, to put you down, especially, I mean, you've got the right to do that to no one, but imagine doing that to someone that you're in a relationship with. So you can come up with any excuse. I have people that have written to me, like, I love you, but honestly, I have people that have written to me saying, oh, I loved your episode on whatever, but I'm in this relationship and I want your advice because I feel that mine's slightly, and they literally verbatim will talk about a scenario that they're in where I've literally said in the podcast, that person is a fucking psycho, you need to walk away, or that person's been whatever, you need to walk away. It's like, wake up to yourself you need some fucking tough love get your fucking shit together girl what are you doing take a look in the mirror take a look at your relationship you are blind you are fucking you're being a weak dog here because you're not admitting you're not taking you know inventory of your relationship or of your life and you think that this scenario is different to all the other scenarios toxic scenarios that are out there yours is different or because because they're actually really nice. Oh no, they do love me. And when, when it's good, it's good. It's just that when it's bad, it's really bad. Do you know how many times I've heard that? But when it's good, it's really good. Not worth it. Not worth it. I don't care if it's the best fucking thing you've ever experienced in your life. It's not worth it. If, if you have to give up a bit of who you are to be in a relationship, it is not worth it. So I don't care what the fuck they've gone through. Someone can have trauma and still be a good partner because they don't project it on you. But the moment someone projects it on you and tries to pull you down so they can feel better about themselves, they're cooked. So get rid of them. You've fallen into the guilt trap and nothing can excuse emotional manipulation. So get that through your head because until you do, you're going to keep excusing that person and you're going to keep getting cut down, cut down, cut down. So it really is your choice. They're not going to change. They're not going to fix it. So if you don't fix it, nobody is going to fix it. And don't look for other people to justify you staying in that relationship. Stop asking for people to justify it. Because why do they have to justify it? People often don't want to hurt your feelings by saying that you're in a fucked up relationship. But I'm sorry to say, I'm here to tell you that. So if you're going to slide into my DMs and ask me for advice, get ready for some tough love. Because if I've said it in the podcast and then you still come to me for advice, more than happy to reply to you. But often it's going to be what you don't want to hear. So... I'm here to make you strengthen your relationship with yourself, not to strengthen your relationship with a cooked fuckhead, okay? So I have no problem whatsoever trying to build you up and not build up that person. I don't care. 
about the relationship. I don't care that you've been together for so many years. I don't care that you've been together since high school. None of that matters to me. The only thing that matters to me is your relationship with yourself and you strengthening your relationship with yourself. End of story. That's all I care about. If you have a very strong relationship with yourself, everything will fall into place. Your relationships romantically, your friendships, your relationships with your family members and with your colleagues, everything falls into place. But you need to work on that number one. So just know that every time you come to me about something, if I think that that relationship is toxic, you know what my advice is going to be. That's just, that's it. Okay, let's get into the neuroscience behind basically why it is that we stay in these relationships um, and kind of the psychology behind being manipulated so when you are going through a breakup you're going to have a whole sort of mix of emotions and chemicals that are flowing through your brain now when you a normal relationship goes through a breakup you're going to feel kind of a withdrawal through of dopamine of um, oxytocin which is like a bonding prosocial neurotransmitter then you've got like a endogenous opioids like the pleasure pain kind of dependence but when you're in a toxic relationship the release and withdrawal of these neurotransmitters is a lot higher because it's happening you kind of have these near breakups quite often in the relationship so it's like this back and forth back and forth back and forth which then kind of throws off your production and release of all these neurochemicals so you start feeling an actual addiction to your abuser because you're craving these things to come back. So they pull away from you and you start like having lower oxytocin, lower dopamine, lower opioids in your body, all these factors that are kind of dropping, 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 and then you're craving them, you're craving them, so you kind of run back to them and then you have like a really good period of a couple of days and boom, they shoot straight back up and it's this kind of like back and forth, back and forth. And it's actually quite obviously toxic because – especially with like someone like a narcissist or something that kind of tries to block you from all the important relationships around you and isolates you and you end up having quite a codependent relationship where you don't, you know, have all these close links with anyone anymore. When you go through a breakup, one of the best ways to kind of bump up your oxytocin levels is to have, you know, healthy social interaction with people that are important to you but if you've just been in this abusive relationship where you've cut out all those people in your life then your abuser is kind of at a massive advantage because who are you going to go for that oxytocin hit probably your abuser and not your support circle because you've cut them out of your life so it's really important to see the need for such a healthy balance of friends family and the person that you're in a romantic relationship with when it comes to all these relationship neurotransmitters because you want to be getting that flow and release of these neurotransmitters and hormones not just from the person that you're in a romantically involved with but with other people in your life so that's why toxic relationships you see like such a big difference in kind of the the release and the control of these neurotransmitters now when someone is abusing you often when you enter a relationship more often than not you kind of see each other as relatively equal it's pretty rare that you comfortably will enter a relationship with someone that you think is incredibly too good for you or 
like way, way, way below you. It's it's very rare. So when you start a relationship, you might think, oh my God, I'm fucking lucky. But you, you do think you're worthy of that person. So let's say you enter and you see yourself on the same level. What happens is they start to, with everything that I just said before, uh, they're their tools to start to manipulate you and cut you down, make you start doubting who you are, making you feel shit about yourself, making you question your sanity, all this stuff. So you then have... Um, a lower self-esteem and then a lower perceived concept of who you are and who you are, like what your worth is and what you're worthy of achieving. So all of a sudden, when it comes to thinking, fuck, I need to leave this relationship, you then think, yeah, but I'm punching. So if I leave this relationship, not only have I left someone that, because I'm now, you now perceive yourself as someone lesser than what you perceived yourself when you entered the relationship. But you don't see it that way. You all of a sudden, without realizing that when you entered the relationship, you saw yourselves as equals, you don't make that comparison. Just all of a sudden you think, but this person is way too good for me. So a few things go through your head. You think, A, if I leave, that's me, the person who's punching, leaving the person who's too good for me. I obviously can't do that. If I did do that, because you perceive yourself as so much lower than who you actually are, you then think of all the potential candidates that you could date and based on your perception of yourself, the people that you think of who, who would want to date you are people that you would never want to date because you think, oh my God, no, 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 like I couldn't ever put up with that. Like those people are just awful. Or I could never date someone like that. So better the devil you know. So I'll just stay in this relationship because yeah, they're, they're awful to me but they have so many attributes that make them better than me and I'm nowhere near as good as them and if we broke up, Look at all this scum that I would have as options, like just these awful people. So at least this person I'm with is better than them. So it's this manipulation of where they, the, their biggest success is getting you to doubt yourself and who you are and getting you to start to question yourself, whether it's like comments about your physical appearance, comments about your intelligence, comments about just it starts with little things like things that might not be that offensive but it's like wait a minute where they kind of joke about how bad you are a judge of character and then once that's like a good enough joke about how bad you are a judge of character then they can start insulting your friends and then if you try and defend it they're like yeah but you know we we know that you're a shit judge of character so then they've now put foundations behind of why your friends are so shit and then it's kind of do you know what I mean it's like that slow manipulation of get you to believe one thing and off the back of you believing that one thing, they're able to then infiltrate many things with that one idea and it's this carry-on effect, carry-on effect. So before you know it, you doubt your ability to judge, um, you know, to, to read people. You doubt your ability to actually be intelligent. You then don't really want to stand up for yourself. You don't want to speak in public. Every time you say something, they laugh at you or they criticize you for what you've said. So then you just dampen down who you are. You speak really softly to the – you're very softly spoken because – you don't want to offend them because they, they're highly sensitive to anger. And you know, it's just this extremely, extremely toxic interaction that starts occurring with this toxic psycho abuser or emotional abuser, whatever you want to call them, um, that they have created over the period of the relationship and you have allowed it subconsciously to happen because you've not wanted to start arguments you've not wanted to flare things up and I'm speaking from experience here because I've gone I've had two relationships like this one when I was a teenager and one just a couple of years ago so sometimes I swear the universe just hands you the same lesson to see if you've learned and I fucking hadn't learned had I so went through that again so 
I feel that basically my advice to people that are in these situations is keep in mind that you can't use – so all these feel-good neurotransmitters that are released in your brain, you cannot have one person that you rely on to be the source of all those neurotransmitter releases. You need to be growing your friendship circles. And if you're in a situation where you think, yeah, but I can't grow my friendship circles, what's that telling you? It's get the fuck out of that relationship. If you can resonate with any of these red flags, you need to sit the fuck down and you need to do a real good inventory on that relationship and comb through all the things that I spoke about and think, am I in a relationship with this person? So now... Off the back of that, I want to talk about the questions that I want you to ask yourself. So, I want you to, if you do resonate with any of these things, I want you to think, am I experiencing that currently or have I experienced that in the past and is there residual residual effects from that? So, you might be single right now or you might be dating a, a legend right now who's just absolutely does not tick any of those boxes that I spoke about. But you might still have some residual baggage from one of these relationships. And are you carrying that into your new relationship? Are you carrying insecurities? Are you carrying belief patterns that that person put into your head in the past? Or maybe if it wasn't a relationship, like I said, you can apply this to toxic friends, family, whatever. Like have people infiltrated your your, your structure of beliefs about yourself? And now has that had a carrying effect with how you carry yourself in life, in your relationships, in your jobs, in your self-confidence? Um, then another thing I want you to ask yourself if you are in a relationship like this, are you happy with who you have become around them? So look at the change that you've gone through and are you happy with that person? Or like I often do is turn it around and imagine that what you the change that you've gone through between being who you were to turning into a total doormat, if you saw that happen to your best friend, would you be happy with that change in them? Would you be happy for them? Um, then I want you to think, um, do you embody any of these behaviours? Because often one of the best ways to grow is to acknowledge your own shit. So you might not be an absolute psychopath, but you may carry some of these toxic behaviors that you're bringing into relationships and then wondering why the relationship isn't going so well. Maybe you yourself might be a perpetrator of these toxic behaviors. And like I said before, you might you can't change someone who is displaying these behaviors. They can only change themselves. But the good news is if you're the one that's displaying these behaviors and you want to change, then you can change. The only person that can change is the person themselves who's doing that behavior. You've got to want to do it. That's why I'd, I never believe that someone should enter a relationship with the hope that they can help mold or change someone. It's just wasted time. And then the last question is, how has this relationship changed my relationship with myself? Write a list. Write everything down. Because when I went through a really toxic relationship, I was, I went from being this really outgoing, bubbly, really fun person to the quietest one in the group and I didn't want to speak because I didn't want to kind of you know make him think that I was flirting with someone else or making things so I turned into a doormat I stopped wearing so much makeup because he was like who are you trying to impress if it's not me like why are you wearing makeup when we go out you know I started dampening down big time who I was and then I started feeling really kind of self-conscious about 
my actions, my behavior, my appearance, all of these things. So I want you to think how has this changed my relationship with myself? Am I more confident being with the person that I'm with or am I less confident with who I am being with the person that I'm with? Because a proper real relationship should empower you. It should not make you feel shit about yourself. And like I said, I don't care if that person's got demons. That's on them. That's not on you. There's no excuse. I would never carry any of my baggage from my past and grab all that baggage and chuck it on my next relationship and be like, you deal with it. That's not fair. So why should someone do that to you? It's just, it's not on. So I want you to ask yourselves all these questions. If you think that anyone that you know is going through a toxic relationship or is in a toxic relationship, just fucking send them this podcast and they can listen to some tough love. So I hope you enjoyed this, guys. It was one of my, probably my most intense and passionately involved podcasts, but it's definitely, I definitely speak from experience here, speak from the heart. And I know so many people that either have been in one of these relationships or are currently in one of these relationships and I know the damage that it does if you if you don't get out of it so please do the work on yourself ask yourself these questions and I hope that it can be in some way shape or form helpful awesome guys thank you so much for listening to episode what is it seven episode seven and yes please share if you found it helpful I would love you to rate review share it on your Instagram tag me in it the whole lot and be kind to yourself be kind to your brains and I will speak to you next week danke